Hey, before we jump right into the sermon, I have a couple of things I'd like to kind of give you an update on. Um, first, if you're a man, um, you have to go on the men's retreat. Or you're not really, I'm just kidding. Uh, in the men's retreat, <laughs> men's retreats this coming weekend, 19th and 20th. So make sure you, there's, there's a little, little uh, flyer in your family news bulletin. and make sure that you uh, fill out that, that flyer out, take it to Kevin out there in the foyer, make sure you sign up because um, we have a lot of people said, hey, I'm going, but not everyone's signing up and filling out the form. So make sure you do that uh, either today or this week, if you would, so we have an exact count of how many people are going. Um, that would be wonderful. Another, another kind of really encouraging uh, update I'd like to give you, most of you don't know this, but we've been um, in a loving battle with our state for the past, uh, since like 2004, over taxing the Grace Impact Center. They want to tax it. I didn't, we didn't want them to tax it. Um, so we've been in this battle. And uh, God, and, I, and you can come to me individually and I'll share how this happened, but God intervened and we won, which means uh, we save, we weren't paying taxes through those years. They say you don't pay until they make a decision. Well, that's $110,000 worth of ta- back taxes that we would have been strapped with but we're not, and we saved $18,000 a year going forward. So that is a huge blessing for our church. Yes, yes. The less we give them, the more we keep for ourselves. Praise God. Um, It really worked out great. So I know some of you were praying. I don't get up here every Sunday and talk about tax problems, but that has been a monkey on my back and a burden in my heart for a very long time. So I got an email this week that says, we won, exclamation point. And I I knew it was from our lawyer, so I was very, very excited to see that we won because I knew the implications. So that's going to make a major difference uh, in our ministry, and I'm very, very excited about that. Um, we are, this morning, we're beginning a new series that I'm really excited about. It's called Touch One. Touch One. And the goal of this series is to change the way many of us think about ourselves, how we think about um, our faith, and we think about our world. And if we can change our way of thinking, then we can change our way of living. My, my heart, my prayer would be that we would be moved to walk as Jesus did, to hunger and thirst after God's will for our lives, asking that question, God, what is your will for our lives and for this church? And we, and we, we, we want to walk. We want to walk as Jesus did. This series is about all of those things. How do, we, how, do we, how do we change the way we're thinking so we can change the way we're living? How can we follow after God? How can we have a hunger, hunger and thirst for God? How can we walk as Jesus did? How can we, as our last series went through, how can we be true followers of Jesus Christ? What does that look like? During this time, I really, really want to encourage you to search your hearts. To really, to look at your life and ask yourself, do I stand out from the crowd? Do I stand out from the crowd? And if not, why not? Now notice I didn't say, do I stand out in the crowd? I said, do I stand out from the crowd? I'm not asking if you're popular or you're the life of the party. What I want to know is, do you, are you set apart for God's use? Are you as an individual, because we cannot accomplish all that God has for us, are you set apart for God's use? Is that the way you feel about yourself? That I am set apart for God's use. 
Do, do I stand in such a way? Do I take a stand in such a way that the people around me know who I am? Or do I just go along with what the world has to offer? Is that, is that the way I live my life? Because here's the reality, my friends. Fame, popularity, wealth, power are worthless. They're meaningless. They're completely garbage. They're trash apart from God. All of those things don't matter apart from God. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 3 through 11, it tells us this. I wanted to see what was worthwhile for men to do under heaven during the few days of their lives. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs of to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasures of kings and provinces. I acquired men and women singers and a harem as well as the delights of the heart of man. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. And all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my work, and this was the reward for all of my labor. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done, and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. So I ask you again, what do you stand for? What, are you sta- what do you stand for? Now, you may be thinking, well, what do you mean? I thought you said that everything was completely meaningless. I thought you just read a verse that said everything was completely worthless. It's all meaningless. No, what I said was it's all meaningless if you do it apart from God. If it is not done to the glory of God, then it is worthless. Then it's meaningless. The reality is only what's done for Jesus Christ will last. last. That's the reality. Only what is done for Jesus will last. We will be measured and remembered for what we do and what we say in relation to others. We will be measured and we will be remembered by the lives that we touch, by the lives that we change, That is God's measurement of success. How do we impact lives? What are you doing? What am I doing to impact the lives of others? Your legacy is your influence on the next generation. So many people believe that they're leaving a legacy when in reality they're just building monuments. People want to build monuments to themselves. We don't like to say it out loud, but that's really what a lot of people do when they have that opportunity. They want to build monuments to themselves instead of leaving a legacy. But here's the reality of a monument. A monument is good for collecting bird poop. That's the reality. A legacy transforms people's lives. It impacts and influences That is what it means to leave a legacy, to invest in the lives of others in such a way that you leave a lasting impression. When you're gone, you still leave a lasting impression on them. My goal in my life is not to build... If nothing is ever named after me when I'm gone, I don't care. 
My goal is to impress and, and to give my life and influence your life, to invest my life into you and to maybe take the good things, to take the things that mattered to Christ and, and, and I express that and you, you grab those things and you take those things with you and you pass those things on to another generation. That is how we leave a legacy. No one cares about people who thought they were so important once they're gone. No one cares. But people care when you have invested in their lives. There are people that you can think of right now that have passed on, that every once in a while, maybe not every day, but boy, you miss that person. You think about them. You miss, you miss the way they spoke to you. You miss the way they, they, they gave you that hug. You miss the way they, they imparted wisdom into your life, the direction they gave to you, the, the, the way they would constantly discern difficulties in life and, and share those things with you. You miss that about them. If there was some bum in your family put a big statue outside, I don't think you'd care much about it at all. You'd walk by it every single day and not give a thought about it, not give a thought to it. We need to invest in the lives of others to leave a legacy that will, be, that will live beyond our own lives. Followers of Jesus Christ rem, have, a, have, a, have a passion for him. And they're going to be remembered for the impact that they made on others. That's what we need to live for. Maybe, maybe it was that you invested your life into someone else, maybe at work, maybe at school, you mentored that person, you, you discipled that person. Maybe it was that you sacrificed. You sacrificed at home. You gave of yourself in your own home to make sure your family was growing in their relationship with Christ. There were some other things that you could have done. There's other things that people maybe were pulling you to do, but you, you, you focused your time and energy on your family. That was what God had called you to do. Other people are marketplace ministers. They're out in the marketplace. They're investing in the lives of the people around them at work. You touch lives every single day. God has called you into that, into that, into that area of ministry, marketplace ministry. And so you care about those around you, what they're going through in their lives, how they're hurting. You try to reach out and pray for those people. You try to reach out and bless those people. You engage them. You engage their lives. You're leaving a legacy at work. You're leaving a legacy at home. That's what Christ has called us to do. My friends, investing in owning yourself is temporal. But investing in the lives of others is eternal. It's eternal. The lives that we touch and the words that we say in this life echo in the next. They go on. Because we stand before God and God says to us, well done, my good and faithful servant. When Jesus said that we should take care of the least of these, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. He's not just talking about some poor person in Africa or some poor person person in Asia, an orphan or a widow. He's talking about the people right around us who are going through difficulties, who are struggling. And we think beyond ourselves. We think, how can I invest my life into that person's life to help them go through this. They're, so they're not going through it alone. That's what Jesus was talking about. He was talking about first and foremost the body of Christ and then reaching out beyond to impact the lives of others. See, here's the reality. Life is not about fame. 
It's about family. It's about friendship. Life is not about power. It's about purpose. It's not about accumulation. It's about contribution. You can, you can spend your whole life accumulating things in this life without making, without making a contribution, contribution. All of that becomes fruitless. It becomes worthless. You can accumulate all these, all these awards. And you can accumulate all this money. You can accumulate all this stuff. Whatever you want to accumulate. But if you're not contributing, then everything you're doing on this earth is fruitless. It is spiritually worthless. And we're going to stand before God one day, and that's all that's going to matter. Only what's done for Jesus Christ is going to last. But those who touch even one life will be remembered because the people that they've invested in, they will live on in the lives of those people. They will live on. They will leave that kind of legacy. Do you want to be great in the kingdom of God? You know, people say, oh, I want to be great. I want to be, I want to be. Do you want to be great in the kingdom of God? Well, here's the reality. You need to flip-flop things around a little bit in the way you think. The reality is that the least is the greatest in the kingdom of God. In Matthew chapter 23 and verse 11, it says this, great, The greatest among you will be your servant. The greatest among you will be your servant. In Luke 9.48, we're reminded, For he who is least among you all, he is the greatest. That is what Christ calls us, calls us to be, to invest in the lives of others, to humble ourselves. To humble ourselves in such a way that we're constantly thinking, how can I invest in someone else? Putting others first makes you greatest in the kingdom of God. You know, it's so funny. People, people look at others and say, I want to be just like them because they have this and they have that. And I'm not, I am not differentiating between people with money and people without money. I'm telling you, you, you guys know this already. You think, oh, he's talking about those rich people. No, no, I'm not. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what is the desire of our hearts. There are a lot of people with a whole bunch of money who invest their lives in others, and there are people with, who are poor who invest their lives in no one. And we say sometimes, I want to be just like this person because they have this or they have that or they have this fame or that. I want to be like them. But the reality is, why are we, why are we seeking to be like them when we, we should be seeking to be like him? And the one that we are following after, the one who we should be following with all of our hearts, died naked, hanging on a cross, humbled himself, and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. He was the king of everything, and he gave himself as a servant for us. We need to follow his lead. Whether we are rich, whether we are middle class, whether we are poor, we need to follow his lead in giving of ourselves, giving of everything that we have. If it is truly our desire to become more like Jesus Christ, if we want to truly be set apart for God, if we want to do God's will, then we need to start getting rid of, because this is important, we're going to move on from this sermon and continue in this series, but if we don't get down, if we don't, if we don't understand, if we don't grasp what I'm talking about this morning, then I should just basically move on to a new series because nothing is going to matter after this. 
You have to understand and you have to grasp what I'm going to share with you over the next 25 minutes. Because if we don't understand this, nothing else is going to matter. All the things that we're going to lay out are going to be worthless because we're not ready. We need to be ready. We need to own this and be ready for what God has for us. So what do I mean by getting rid of the trash? We've got to start by getting rid of the trash, by cleaning house, if you will. Well, if we want to live a new life, we need to leave the old one behind. If you're going to live a new life in Jesus Christ, you need to leave the old one behind. If Christ has come into your life, that old person that you used to be, they're dead. They're gone. And the great thing about being a Christian is even if you're a, you've been a Christian and you've kind of lived a life you shouldn't be living, at any point you can confess your sin and he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. So at any point we can begin to live that new life, begin to live that new life over and over again. But that's what we need to do. We need to begin to live that new life. That old person that you used to be is dead. Theologically, biblically, they're dead. They're, they're, they're gone. The past no longer has power over you. The only power that the past has over you is the power that you give to it. That's the only power. Because we are in Christ. And when we are in Christ, we were born again. We were renewed. We've been restored. The old man has gone. The new person has come. We need to understand that. All the stuff that you carry around the inside, my friends, is worthless baggage. That's all it is. All that stuff that you continually carry around that is holding you back from becoming the person that God has created you to be is completely rubbish. It's worthless baggage. When you ask Christ to come into your life, you walked away from your old life. You were forgiven. You were renewed. It's like a do-over. You start over. We need to understand that. We need to grasp that. Listen to what Psalm 103.22 says. This is the truth. It says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As far as the east is from the west. When you ask God to forgive you of something, if you went to him the next day and said, God, oh, I want to talk about this again, he'd say, what are you talking about? Well, you know, the thing I did like, you know, when I, before I was a Christian or last week, what are you talking about? Well, you know that big sin that I did. What are you talking about? God chooses to forget. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removes our transgressions from us. God has chosen to forget. The problem is you haven't chosen to forget. Now, I know we can't just flip a switch and forget what we've done. But the reality is we need to take, like I said earlier in the last series, we need to take those thoughts captive because thinking about them is worthless. It's like, it's like carrying around your garbage with you. If, if what I just said was true, why are you still keeping your garbage? Why, why, it's like carrying around a bag of garbage with you. Oh yeah, that's my garbage. Well, why don't you throw it away? Oh, no, I'm going to carry my garbage around with me. Why? It doesn't make any sense. If God has removed it as far as the east from the west, why are you still carrying around garbage? Why are you still living as if it was still, it was still a part of your life? Why are you still, still carrying around all that, all that guilt and all that shame? Why do you choose, choose, choose to carry around all the guilt and shame of something that God's forgiven you for already? Why do you choose to live there when you should be living in Christ? That's a question you have to answer. 
Because the reality is the only reason you're living there is because of your feelings, not because of the truth, not because of reality. It's how you feel. Well, I don't feel forgiven. Well, it doesn't matter how you feel. What matters is the truth. Here, let me give you a little hint. What you need to do is you need to just do, do what you know is true and let your feelings catch up to you. See, we wallow in our feelings. Oh, I still feel bad about that, and I still, oh, God's gonna, God can never use me, and, and all that is being poured into you by Satan. God's never going to use me because I did this, or I've done it so many times, and I asked forgiveness so many times, and blah, 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 blah. Can I just state another truth? His grace is sufficient for your sin. And if you keep walking, if you keep walking the way you're walking and carrying around your garbage, you're going to stay where you are when God's saying, could you please just cut that loose and could you please just move on? You need to move. See, some of you need to have a talk with God and you need to let him do most of the talking. And if you let him do most of the talking, this is what I think he would say to you. Stop your stinking thinking. It's an easy way to remember it. Stop your stinking thinking. Renew, you have been born again. Your mind can be renewed. Your mind is being renewed over and over again. When, that, when those thoughts come into your mind of sin or, or the guilt and the shame or whatever from something or whatever it was, you need to take those thoughts captive and say, this is not true. What's true is Christ died for me. I've asked forgiveness for that already. I don't care how many times you've gone back and had to ask forgiveness. Those things are forgiven. I need to move on. You need to take that thought captive. Here, here's the reality. Here's the truth. Galatians chapter 4 in verse 7. Here's the reality of who we are. Not who the enemy wants us to believe we are. Here's the reality of who Jeff Greer is. So I am no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. So I am an heir. I am an heir. God's heir. In Romans chapter 8 and 17, it reminds us, now, if you, are chil- if you are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. I am a co-heir with Jesus Christ. Think of the position that I find myself in. If I am in him, I am a co-heir with Jesus Christ. God's my father. I am a co-heir with Christ. He's my brother. With Jesus. I'm co-heir with Jesus Christ. I mean, I- I'm not thinking, I'm feeling better about myself already. Um, If indeed it says we share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. We are co-heirs with Jesus Christ. That is who we are. I don't know where it started. I don't know where it started for you. Maybe it was older when you were older. Maybe it was younger and you just can't seem to overcome it. But you, a lot of you, not all, many of you don't believe what I just said. I I don't know where it started for you, but you don't believe that. Somewhere in the past, lies have been driven into the core of your being. Those lies have been driven into the core of your being. Someone told you you were not enough of something. You weren't smart enough. You weren't pretty enough. You weren't strong enough. Whatever it was. Maybe it, maybe it came from, you know, we have, all of us have, we all have parents, some of our parents are, have really encouraged us. Maybe, some, maybe you grew up in a home where your parents didn't encourage you. Maybe, maybe that, whatever it is that's, that's in you, that's keeping you from believing it, maybe it came from your parents. You know, I, I don't know, maybe it, maybe it came from a spouse. Your spouse constantly is being uh, discouraging to you, saying things about you that make you feel a certain way about yourself. Maybe it came from a group of people at school. Maybe it came from a teacher. Maybe it came from a grandparent. 
Maybe you guys have, maybe some of you have a grandparent. Boy, you got along with your grandfather, your grandmother. For some reason, they just had it out for you. And they were constantly belittling you in some way. And that lie has been driven into the core of your being. You hear it echoing your mind all the time. Even when you don't recognize it. You, you want to step out and do something. But that little voice in the back says, you're not, you're not, you're not, you won't, you can't. You, some of you can't even remember why you feel worthless sometimes. But the lies are there nonetheless, and instead of living out your purpose, you are living out those lies. I can't. I'm not. Those are the things you hear. I can't. I'm not. God, God calls you to do something. You get excited in your heart just for a second, and bam, he slaps you back down. Satan says, remember, remember what they said about you? And you, bam, get slapped right back down. And you stand for it like you're some kind of, you're like Oliver sitting there, gee, sir, can I have some more? Instead of being an heir, a joint heir with Jesus Christ, you take a slap and just, you just can I have another? I don't, what is that? We, you know, do you know who you are? Do you understand who you are? See, that's, this is what we need to grasp this morning because we cannot move to where God wants us to go if we don't understand this. Not as a whole. We need individually to understand this. You live in the darkness of a lie. You're living in the darkness of a lie, believing the garbage. See, but because of God's mercy, because of God's grace, because of God's love, He can affirm who you really are. And He can empower you to live for Him while he changes the way you feel about yourself. That's what I'm saying. We need to, it's going to be a battle. It's, Satan's not going to just give up because I preached a sermon. That's true. What he's going to do is keep, just keep lying to you, keep lying to you. It's a battle. But God can come along. God will come along. God has come along because of his love and his mercy and his power in your life. And he'll allow you to serve him, to, to engage with him while he changes the way you feel about yourself. But your part in that is you have to walk away from the lie and let your feelings catch up. You have to discipline yourself to know the truth and do what God is calling you to do regardless of what the enemy tells you while you're trying to do it or you'll never get anywhere. If he can't take you to hell, he will ruin your life here on earth. You need to understand that. If you're in Christ, you can't lose your salvation. So what's the next next best thing? To turn Jeff Greer into some quibbling, groveling nobody sitting in the corner just waiting to die, waiting for life to be over, afraid of what might happen. That's the greatest thing. Or thinking, man, oh boy, if I ever tried that, you know, I've, I've done so many things in my past that, gee, if anyone ever found out this or anyone found out that or blah, 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 you know, I remember back in college, I remember when I was in high school, whatever else, he hangs those things out there. You are forgiven for those things. If he can't take you to hell, he will, he, will make, he will make this life a living hell and keep you, keep you burdened, keep you guilt-ridden. Now, I need, I, need your, I need your attention. I need your listening. If you find a faded away, if you, if you can sleep while, my, while I'm yelling, it's amazing, okay? But if you have kind of nodded, you know, poke the person next to you, make sure they're awake because this is, this is really important. The way to overcome darkness is to turn on the light. 
The way you overcome darkness and lies, you turn on the light. In Psalm chapter 18 and verse 28, it says this, You, O Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. Psalm 119, 105, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light from my path. Psalm 119, 130 reminds us, but you are, it says this, But the unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. And here's a verse that we have read over and over and over this, in the last year. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Here's what it says. It says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Listen to what it says. That you may declare the praises of Him who brought you out of darkness into His wonderful light. And some of you just went in one ear and out the other. That's what just happened. I want you to close your eyes for me just for a second. And I want you to ask God, just ask him in your own heart, God, let me hear this truth. Let it go in my ear and down into my heart. Let it go in my ears and permeate my heart. Pray that right now. I want you to listen to this. I want you to listen to this. But I am a chosen person. I am a royal priesthood. I am a holy nation. I am a person who belongs to God. That I may declare the praises of him who brought me out of darkness into his wonderful light. He brought you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You should no longer be wallowing in the mire. You should be living like a prince, like a princess that you are, a joint heir of Jesus Christ. That is who we are, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a person belonging to God that we may declare, that we, we know it, and what do we do? Declare the praises of Him who brought us out of that darkness. We no longer live there and into His wonderful light. That's what God has for us. John reminds us that as, if, if we are in Christ, we no longer walk in darkness. We are in the light. In John chapter 1 and verse 4, it says, In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. And then in John chapter 12 verse 46 Jesus said listen I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness do you believe in him if you believe in him then you kill you can't believe in what you cannot believe that you're a royal priesthood a holy nation a, a person belonging to God and the lies at the same time you, you can't they, they permeate your life but you have to come to the conclusion, am I, am I this? Am I who Christ says I am? Or am I who the enemy says I am? You have to, you have to come to that conclusion. In order for you to fulfill the purpose that for which God has created you, you have to come to that conclusion. The way you overcome darkness is to turn on the light. The way you overcome a lie is to walk in the truth. You see, here's the reality. When light enters a room, darkness has one option. And what is it? Anybody? Leave. There's no option here. Darkness can't stand there and go, I'm not leaving. Stand right here. You go ahead and turn that light on. I'm just going to remain. It cannot remain. It's, it's, that's, it's, it's physically impossible for the, for the darkness to remain. 
when the Holy Spirit came into my life, when Jesus Christ entered my life, I became a new human being. Before I was a Christian, my biggest fear in life was public speaking. I was mortified, terrified, overwhelmed, sweat bullets. When I, when I first went into, even when I first got into ministry, the first time I would get up to speak or anything, I'd spend Saturday in the bathroom the whole time. That was Saturday. In the bathroom, sorry, I'm just being honest. What on earth happened to me? I was brought out of darkness into his wonderful light. I was told by the Holy Spirit and by the body of Christ who I really am. And I chose to believe it. I chose to believe it. Because the word of God is true. It is true. The truth is that, my friends, that you are no more than a forgiven sinner, but you are nothing less than someone Jesus died for. Let me explain that. In Psalm 139, it says that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That is the truth. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That is the truth. But the lie says, I'm, I'm too weak. You're too weak. The truth is, when I am weak then I am strong. The truth is that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. The truth is I have the power of the Spirit of God living in me. The truth is I have the power of the resurrection that that comes from within. I can live to the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The truth is if God is for me, who can be against me? That is the truth. Greater is he that is in me, the light that is in me, than he that is in the world, the darkness that tries to permeate my life. Greater, greater, greater. Why is it if that's true, do we live in the darkness? Why do we keep living out the lies? Because they're pounded and pounded and pounded. And at a certain point in your life, you've got to get nasty about it. You've got to step up. You know, I, but before I was a Christian, I, I wasn't always the most wonderful person. And um, as I am now, but before as a Christian, I got in a lot of fights with, I had a group of friends in the apartment complex and other people would come through and they wouldn't pay homage to walking through the apartment complex or whatever. So we fought with them. It was really dumb. But, um, but I, well, here's one thing I learned about fighting. If you're fighting and you're like this, when someone hits you in the face, where do you go? Down. Okay. When you're fighting someone and you're coming at them like this, if you're going forward and someone punches you in the face, guess what? You don't go down. You don't go down. You're still moving forward. My friend, he's going to punch and he's going to hit and he's going to slap and he's going to push and he's going to belittle and he's going to discourage, but you have to keep moving forward. You can't roll up in a ball and give him his way and somehow cower. Here's the interesting thing about the armor of God. There's something really interesting about the armor of God. The only place a Christian is vulnerable when they put on the armor of God is in their back. That's the only place. So if I'm not retreating, I can't be defeated. If I'm not retreating, I'm not going down. And you know what? If I get knocked down, guess what I'm doing? I'm getting back up. I'm not showing the enemy my back. You don't show the enemy your back. You keep moving forward. We have to stay strong. We have to move forward. This is so important in our lives. This is so important to who we are. 
We have the power of the resurrection flowing through our bodies. God is for us. Let me tell you, this is if you're, now if you're really sleeping, now you really have to wake up because if you missed this, you missed the whole point of this entire series. Why is what I'm saying so important? Why is it so important that you believe this? Why is it so important? It's important because you're not the only one who needs you to believe this. There's the point. You're not the only one who needs you to believe this. You were designed. You were created. You were made by God for a specific purpose to impact the lives of others. They are depending on you. They may not even know who you are. But this is so important for you to believe this because you're not the only person in this world who needs you to believe it. If he has you cowering in the corner, he cuts off your lifeline and the ability that you have, the reason you were created, to reach out, impact the lives of others. You need to believe that. You need to own that. You were created to touch lives. You were created to impact others, to make a difference. You're born for a reason. Do you know why the world is in such sorry shape? Because most people are living out their lives instead of their purpose. That's the fact. The reason this world is in such sorry, horrible shape in so many areas of the world, because Satan has people living out their lives instead of their purpose. Imagine an army of people who are unleashed on the world. Imagine a small army of people. Because what I love about God is God is unorthodox and he uses, what, he uses whatever he has. If you have a small group of people, God will use a small group to impact the world. If it's a larger group, he'll use a larger group to impact the world. But God's will will never be thwarted. God's will will never be thwarted. The reason this world is in such sorry shape is is the reason is because people are living out the lies they've been told instead of their purpose. Each one of us, if we want to be a follower of Jesus Christ, needs to be one of those people who are willing to stand up and believe and believe that we can truly change the world. Listen, we have been given so much and we waste so much of what we've been given. I hear, you know, students, I don't mean to pick on you, but junior high and high school students, you know, it's time for you to stop whining and start stepping up for Jesus Christ. Oh, my parents this, or this person that, or whatever. You know, I'm sure a lot, all of us have gone through difficulties in our lives. And somehow, somehow when we're younger, we think we somehow get a pass. There's somehow this magic pass. There's no pass. You're old enough. God has created you. God has designed you. God has given you a purpose to impact the lives of the people around you. If you've gone through something difficult, the only question you should be asking is, now what? Now what? I will, as a pastor, I will counsel you. I will pray for you. I will try to get you into long-term counseling. I will, whatever I can do to help you overcome those struggles. But at a point in our lives, each one of us, each one of us needs to ask, now what? Whether we're younger or older, how can I be used by God? Stop wasting the talent, the abilities that God has given you. Stop making excuses for why you're not stepping out in faith and doing more for Jesus Christ. Oh, my person this and that person that and whatever else. I'm talking about um, we need to start living for him. We need to stand up. 
We need to own the truth. It's time for us to let go of the past and start living with an unlimited mind of, for the future, to stand up, to stand out, to become the change that we want to see in other people's lives. We need to start living ourselves in such a way that we, 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 we transform the lives of others, that other people look to us and say, that is how I want to live my life. And that journey begins now. It begins now and it starts with trashing whatever it is, the lies that are in your life disposing of the lies. That's what I want to help you do this morning. Dispose of those lies. And so here's what I want you to do. As you came in, I hope you had a, you found a, you had a piece of paper, like a, a piece of garbage. You get that in your, in your bulletin? There should be a piece of garbage, like a white piece of paper. If you don't have it, use your family news bulletin. Rip it up, take it out. Here's what I want you to do. Here's what I need you to do. Because here, again, let me, let me say this again. I would, if, if I knew... If I knew that you were saying, well, I kind of don't believe this, I would skip this whole series, trash the whole thing, and start a new series. Because in order for us to fulfill what God has called us to do, we need to believe this. We need to start here. We need to start here. Take out that piece of paper, grab a pen in front of you, and here's what I want you to do. I want, to, I want you to write down all the lies that you were told. Write them down. And write them down in such a way that you're getting rid of them. Write them down. You won't, you can't, whatever the case may be, write those down. You don't have to speak them out loud, but speak them in your heart and write them on paper. Speak them out. Give, give those over. Write down the things that you have already been forgiven for that you feel like keep being brought up in your life. Just, you know, jot a little note to your, write that down. What is it that you've been forgiven for already that keeps on being brought up in your life? Bring that out. And say, I'm no longer going to be held back by something that shouldn't be a part of my life anymore that God has forgiven me for, that Jesus has forgiven me for. I am a joint heir of Jesus Christ. Write down the garbage for which you've already been forgiven. Write down things that you need to let go of right now. Write them down. The things you need to let go. I need to let go of my fear. I need to let go. And the fear is caused by something in your past that causes you so that you can't move forward. Write, some, write that down. What is it that's holding me back? Write down the garbage that's still a part of your life. Those habits those hang-ups, those hurts, write those down. What is it? And then here's something else you need to write down. You need to ask, some of us need to ask God to forgive us for wasting our time, our talents, and our treasures. You have, we, we, we have been given so much, and we waste so much. So much can be used for Christ. Only what's done for Christ will last. In order for you to move forward, we need to, as a church, we need to, as individuals, ask God to forgive us for wasting the time, the talents, and the treasure that he's given us. Write those things down. What are, what are you wasting? What have you wasted in the past? Is it money? You're wasting money? You're going around wasting money on other things when you can, you can be investing it in the kingdom of God? Is it your time? You're doing, you're, you're, you've wasted so much time doing so many other things when you should be focused on how we can build the kingdom of God. Write them all down, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to, when you're done writing, I want you to wad up that piece of paper. I want you to squeeze it in your hand. I want you to wad it up, squeeze it, crush it, tear it if you want to, tear it up in little bitty pieces. Whatever, whatever needs for you, you need to do to show that's garbage. That is garbage. I'm getting rid, I'm, I'm taking the garbage from the inside, I'm getting it out, I'm going to crumble it up, and what I want you to do is put it where it belongs before you leave this building, in the trash. Throw it in the trash. And start 
owning who you truly are. See, here's the great thing, my friends. The most amazing thing about being, for us as believers, about being a believer in Jesus Christ, is our capacity to continually be reborn, continually be recreated, to overcome, to endure, to transform, to love. Our ability that God has given us to, to, to be, listen, to be greater than our weaknesses and our suffering. To be greater, to, to, to have the strength that God has given us, to, be, to, go, to grow beyond those things so that we can be used of God to touch the lives of others. In order for this series, as we're going forward, to make any sense whatsoever, you need to believe the truth I just shared with you this morning. You need to get rid of those things. You need to let them go. We need to move on to greater things that God has for us. I want you to bow your head. Some of you, in order to change, need to grow. In order to grow, you can't come to church once every two months. You can't let your Bible sit up on a shelf, collect dust, and hope that you get kind of a pep talk or something every once in a while. You need to grow. You need to get engaged in a life group. You need to get engaged in, a, in an impact group. You need to get involved in a women's Bible study or a men's Bible study. You need to sign up to go on the men's retreat. You need, you need to get engaged. You need to get more involved. You need to take your time and get engaged so you can grow in your relationship with Christ. You need to dust your Bible off and start reading in Matthew. Start reading through the New Testament. You need to know the truth. You need to be reminded of it or else a year from now, Satan will keep pounding away at you and you'll be right back where you were before you took that piece of paper, wadded it up and threw it in the garbage. For some of you, you need to begin your new life with Christ. You need to start walking with Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's time for some of you to begin that new life. It's time for you to be born again. It's time for you to start over. And your new life begins right now. You need to ask Christ to come into your heart. Romans 10.9 says, If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, then we will be saved. I want you to pray this prayer with me as we close. Father, just pray in your heart. Father, I want to stop, I want to stop living the lies of the past. And I want to start living the truth of who I, of who I am. I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I'm a royal priesthood. I belong to you. And I'm going to start living for you. I confess my sin. I recognize that I'm separated from you, Father, and that through Jesus Christ, you have made a way that I can be brought back into a relationship with you, and I thank you for that. I ask that Jesus would come into my heart I ask that your Holy Spirit would fill me. Show me my purpose. Show me your will for my life. That I may live for you each and every day.
Father, bless this church. Help us to let go of the lies. Help us to own the truth so that we can be truly your children. Follow your son, Jesus Christ, sword in hand, ready to take on whatever giants we may face, not alone, but together. May we truly impact this world. Prepare our hearts, Lord God. Prepare our hearts that we can move forward in you. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. Have a great week.